Hey everybody, Vespi here with a good word on a few of our sponsors. First up is the pulse-pounding thriller You're Killing Me, starring Michaela Miller, Anne Heche, and Dermot Mulroney. When Eden attends a heaven or hell party hoping to get a letter of recommendation to an elite university from the wealthy parents of her classmate, the party quickly turns into a fight for her life. You're Killing Me is available to buy or rent April 7th. The next thing I want to tell you about is a book called Division X by August Hill. Division X combines elements of slashers, splatterpunk, and creature features into one bite-sized book. The story follows Randy Matheson, who has something of a werewolf problem. The problem is, well, she is one. Randy is captured and recruited by the mysterious Division X, a paramilitary group hell-bent on the eradication of monsters, and becomes a weapon in their fight against the likes of vampires, demons, and even redneck serial killers. Man, do I hate redneck serial killers. Division X is the perfect book for fans of 80s horror and is available online and in stores right now. And finally, a word from our corporate overlords at Fangoria. Fangoria has been at it for over 40 years and is better than ever. This gorgeous magazine is highly collectible and comes right to your door four times a year with each issue filled to the brim with articles exploring every nook and cranny of genre filmmaking past, present, and future with all of the most exciting journalists, filmmakers, and horror nodals to guide the way, including your intrepid KingCast hosts. This high-quality writing will only ever appear within the physical pages of the magazine, so if you want to join in on the fun, well, you'll need to subscribe, and to do that, all you have to do is head on over to Fangoria.com and sign up. KingCast listeners are in the family, so I have a nifty promo code for y'all. You can save a whopping 25% off your entire order if, and only if, you use the code KingCast at checkout. That is KingCast at checkout for 25% off your order. And now, finally, on with the show. Hi, my name is Stephen King. The ice is gonna break! Well, sometimes that is better. Hello, and welcome back to the Kingcast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name is Eric Vespi. I'm Scott. Um, fuck. I'm Scott. God damn it. I'm hung over. My name is Scott Wampler. And we are your hosts. <laughs> we have a very, very special treat Wrong for start. you fine folks today. The Mangler Gang has reunited once again to take a look at the inexplicable second sequel to The Mangler titled Mangler Reborn, which is quite possibly the worst movie we have ever covered on the show and will ever cover on the show. Before we unload on this particular pinata, let's reassemble the ganglers properly. Ladies and gentlemen, Please welcome DC Pearson back to the Kingcast stage. Hi, everybody. I could not I continue to uh, be thrilled to be on this podcast and also just for the worst reasons. You know, it's sort of like when you only see somebody you really like at like a funeral at funerals. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what the gangler is. Is It's a gang. It's the worst gang with the best people. You know, I was thinking about it and we've got we've got a few guests who come in and do are like like April Wolf comes in and does the Children of the Corn movie. And Matt Fraction has been working his way through the entire Dark Tower series and, and coming in and doing an episode each time he finishes a book. Um, you are the first regular guest who will who is completing his run wow. on the show with, you know, this little project that we set out on a few years ago to cover all three of these with you 
so congratulations. Thank that. you again. It's a sort of a, it's a sort of a hollow, uh, victory, <laughs> but it weirdly feels, I'm like, how many people in the world do you think have seen all these three, three, all three of these movies? You know Tens what I mean? Like, Tens exactly. So we join an elite group of, uh, weirdos and people with too much time on their hands. Are we a hundred percent sure there aren't more Mangler movies kind of hiding out there in the, like the bowels of like Amazon prime? Uh, yeah. That no, they maybe no, no, like no. made some webisodes at some point that <laughs> right. were like back in the flip phone days. Some like, there was an animated kids show on Saturday mornings uh, <laughs> right. in the mid nineties. Um, little, little Mangler. It was called. Um, but uh, I it was a sort of a Herbie, the love that. bug thing with a haunted <laughs> washing machine. It was, it's, yeah, like it was a, it's a kid and he, he has like, instead of a pet dog, it's a little mangler. <laughs> the mangler ate my homework. Whoa. <laughs> that shit writes itself. We need to get on that. Yeah. I do like All the right. idea of the side story being, uh, being in that, that old timey refrigerator that like to trap children. And, uh, so you have to have a, a cartoon kid with the time traveling refrigerators to teach mm-hmm. kids that that's what you want to do. You see an old refrigerator, you want to climb inside. Climb right in that bad boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shut that door firm, son. You want it to be nice and dark in there. <laughs> did we um, talk about speaking of, sorry, this is a, a already an early tangent, but did did we talk about the absolutely scarring punky Brewster episode that involved <laughs> uh like Punky's friend getting fucking trapped in the fridge <gasps> and like nearly dying? I remember that. Yeah. That I don't know why, but that when I was joking about that kids thing, like I suddenly got a rush of images <sighs> and like feelings as like terrified, like an eight year old me was watching Punky like sad because her friend was dying because she was. I think there should have been a crossover episode where they put the creepy guy from the like different strokes episode about <laughs> like, child exploitation <laughs> in the fridge from Punky Brewster. <laughs> If only. I heard once, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that in original drafts of the Back to the Future screenplay, the time machine was a refrigerator and they changed it, it to a car. It was. Yeah, I believe that too. Huh. Yeah, have been the case. It feels like it was way more kind of like Bill and Ted irreverent, like when it first started out, like mm. Bill and Ted almost yeah. became a like the muse sort of expressed that idea through Bill and Ted uh, eventually. Right. Hmm. That's interesting. The car was cooler. Way cooler. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something controversial there, and, and I don't even mind. A car was a much cooler <laughs> idea than a fridge. If only it was a Ford Pinto, and then we could have our Cujo time travel crossover. Yeah. So the Mangler. Oh yeah. Uh, I actually I want to put off uh, talking about it for just a little while longer. <laughs> you see, uh, what have you been up to since the last time we uh, we talked? I'm your, trying your to remember. I'm like Mangler Reborn. I first, I think I first watched the Mangler Reborn or not the Mangler Reborn, the Mangler 2.0 that this movie sort of, I think like retcons, um, not that it, not that it could matter any less. Um, but I watched it the day after getting like my first dose of the first COVID vaccine, whenever that was, and then feeling like sort of terrible, so then, but then we didn't record for a really long time, yeah. but it has also still has been a long time. So I'm literally trying to think like, what have I been up to? What is, I need to hop in the time traveling fridge and like figure it out. But, um, I have been, uh, raising a kid 
Um, mm-hmm. our, our daughter had yet to be born when I watched the second Mangler movie. And then now she's, yeah, she's like fully a toddler. Um, and so a lot of that, um, I'm working on another book. I've been writing more, writing more like fiction stuff. Um, and yeah, just kind of, and then working on freelance stuff and, and acting stuff and commercials and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, trying to just kind of trying to, um, get over the hump on my next like large uh creative project basically what's your uh, what's your writing process like it has gotten better um but basically <laughs> so first, first you watch a shitty mangler movie yes exactly and then actually i forced myself to I, i've taken notes on every other mangler movie that we've done and then this time i was like i can't i can't do it but yeah so i i would say the the writing process like right now is i actually I got to participate in like a, an artist's residency that's still like here in town. It's not like a cabin in the woods or anything like that, but mm-hmm. it's basically like a free we work for like a couple months that you have to like apply for and tell them about what you want to work on. So I've been doing that. So that's been nice to like be able to go somewhere that's not my house for like yeah. half the day and, and just sit down and actually write. And then, so I've been, I've been drafting a lot, um, you know, just like a couple pages a day. And then I just recently got to a phase where I sort of ran out of outline for this project that, and, and, and I had like the broad strokes of the rest of it, but I was like, if I'm honest with myself, even though it doesn't feel as like slamming to just like sit down and try to think about like the larger plot turns of the thing, it feels better to like sit there and be like, I'm banging out pages. This is great. I had to take a couple days and I'm kind of still in that phase um, to figure out like if the the process is like a car, like I need to expand the amount that I can currently see ahead of me with the headlights. So I, I did that and I'm, I'm continuing to do that, but trying not to let that fall into what it has fallen into before with this project and also with other projects where I just kind of like, wander away because it's like a different i don't i don't feel like i have as much internal momentum when i'm doing this part of it i like the idea of having a little workshop you can go to while you're it's been great while you're writing it's been it's been killer i've really i've really enjoyed that and i'm doing that through the end of march and then after that i'm not sure what i'll do like i'm you know i might literally probably not we work because there's not one anywhere close to me but like you know some sort of something like that would be nice if i could get that together just like a little something that isn't literally our our house would be awesome can i uh compliment you on something that i don't think with all the times you've done the show i don't think i've ever brought up um but you nice dick huge huge hog there and i appreciate it thanks um, guys wow i didn't know that i didn't know that word of it had made it all the way to uh they were talking about it at the springsteen show last night bruce talked about it on stage yeah that's true that's they true. weren't saying Bruce. They were saying um, DC's dude, <laughs> <laughs> and the acoustics in there are very strange, very. Yeah. It's gargantuan. He waited till the encore to do that, though. Uh, no, this is going back to the the Derek days. You you were in one of my probably my favorite internet sketches that I you know that like proliferated around like in that kind of pre YouTube era. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that is the spelling bee sketch. Oh my gosh. Which one, you know, uh, in this day and age, you probably don't want that going around too far, but that is like legit. I think is one of like almost a comedy masterclass that, that the whole sketch, you got the rule of three going on. You, the three contestants having to answer 
spell out a, a word that uh, none of them want to spell out. And uh, then you have Donald Glover pushing them the entire time. And then it has that great button on it where he just grabs the mic and goes, I heard what you said. <laughs> uh, if you've never seen the Spelling Bee sketch, I would highly recommend looking it up um, unless you are a very sensitive uh, person because there are some very bad slurs in that in that sketch, but it is all done for comedy. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, um, it definitely is not something, I don't know, it's cliche to be like, well, you couldn't do that today. And it's also like, I feel like when people say that, it's kind of bullshit. It's like, maybe you shouldn't be able to do that today. Right. I don't know. But thanks. And it's, yeah, definitely among the things that ensured that like none of us will ever be able to um, to run, run for office. office. <laughs> right. um, but also I think like in the, I think in the spirit that we were creating it, it wasn't a spirit of like, you should be able to say anything you want. It was more like right. Jesus Christ. Some things are very like uh, powerful and not and not great. <laughs> I, I in no way have a sense of like, yeah, man, to- you gotta. I'm a free speech warrior or anything like <laughs> right. that. It's more just like, yeah, no. I it, it it was what it was at the time in the context that it was in, and uh, and and yeah. But thank you. I I appreciate that. Well, Here's where the youths can get behind it. it. The whole point of the sketch is to make white people very uncomfortable. So. <laughs> <laughs> including including the white people that were involved in, in making it. We made yeah, our, we made ourselves uncomfortable. My to favorite this day. Derek comedy sketch is still, he really gave it to me in there. When it's, where it's you and Donald. And he keeps getting called into the office. I think about french police sirens wants to see you in his office like <laughs> at least twice a week something will my, like my brain will just shout it thanks you. man oh thank you yeah i i that that's one that i definitely am like that was a a brand of humor that i'm still very fond of it's very sort of like absurdist. i guess yeah absurdist exactly i was gonna say random and then i almost wanted to like punch myself um yeah. but yeah i just did a couple of like i've started making and i don't know if i'll keep doing it but i started making like uh tiktoks god help me um because mm-hmm. you know twitter my platform of choice has obviously become uh you know and is increasingly <laughs> just the the pits but in a different way than it used to be it used to be the pits and it was fun and everybody would be like oh i hate it here but now we're like no we we didn't know how good we had it You're but right. i so yeah i've been sort of kind of you know storing away uh stuff and other platforms hold on one second sorry my doorbell just went off i'll be right back <laughs> you have a fancy doorbell and this is where we hear DC get murdered. Live if I hear air. French police sirens, I swear to God. <laughs> ah! Sorry about that, UPS guy. Is that your physical copy of the Mangler Reborn? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Finally got here. It's on 16 millimeter for some reason. <laughs> um, it's like eight cans in front of my house. Oh, yeah. Anyway, all that to say, I just started doing these like little, to call them sketches would be generous, but little things where it's like very much in that spirit, just like dumb set up dumb payoff very surreal um and i've enjoyed that a lot because i i just like that kind of stuff where it just feels very like late night with conan o'brien to me like the original one like just very sort of like dumb setup dumb payoff it's fun it's silly and it's two seconds yeah totally a lot of those sketches really hold up thank you thanks very much team mystery team also holds up thank you i think mystery team is on tubi now or or maybe pluto tv like one of the ones that's like basically free and ad supported which is cool because it's just the idea that anybody could go on like a random library computer and just sit down and just start watching it without a subscription is is cool (laughs) to me as a brave free speech warrior yes we're just and doing everything we can not to talk about the main. So that was everyone's Thanksgiving. It's like, it's <laughs> fucking February. What are you talking about? You guys have a favorite color? Yeah. What's going on? 
we we covered the first two Mangler movies. Um, yeah. the first one, obviously, Toby Hooper director. Uh, director fucking Christ, I can't list today. Uh, leave all that in. Um, <laughs> Toby Hooper directed. Fuck. <laughs> Best be, will you talk, please? Yes. Just, yeah. just you know what? What might be fun? Two. Maybe not as fun for Scott since he's going to have to take one of these uh, things. But we we are in three movies now. There are three of us. Maybe one of. Uh, each of us should describe what happens in each of the movies and catching us up to current. How, how do you think that would go? Right, sure. Are you I willing to take on yeah. that challenge? I, okay. But give me the, I'll take reborn. then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, do you want uh, number two? I take number two. All right. All right. So I'll kick it off. The Mangler began life as a Stephen King short story, all about a uh, laundry press that would, have the reputation for occasionally munching up the occasional laundry press worker. And that short story was decided, (laughs) they decided somewhere to make that a a movie. And it's like a legit movie, a studio movie. Toby Hooper directed it. When we watched that movie, we came to the very early conclusion that uh, that's a movie that's way more fun to talk about than it is to watch. (laughs) Um, And then with each subsequent movie, I have found longing to revisit that that first one instead um, because because as as shitty as that movie is it's like you have ted levine being like your crotchety noirish lead with a ridiculous jacket and you have robert england you know hamming it up as the the laundry you know sweatshop owner uh and you have some really dodgy cg effects but at least there's like an attempt at making the machine kind of scary and gothic and weird. And, uh, uh, and, uh, yeah. So then that leads us into the, the second one, which has no mangler whatsoever. <laughs> and, uh, DC, that is up to you. Yeah. So the mangler 2.0, I think it was called or is called mm-hmm. in certain like packagings or, or whatever. It's kind of like the faculty meets hackers, only that already makes it sound about a thousand times better than it is. Like it was kind of a early 2000s, like teen horror movie about a private school where a rich guy whose daughter is into like hacking gets sent because she literally does some like Mission Impossible like Tom Cruise breaking into the facility, whatever, lowering down on a wire, but like way cheaper than that type stuff and get sent to this reform school where they just installed a new security system. And the weekend that the security system gets installed, all of the students go on a field trip. So they don't have to have extras the whole time, except for this group of like prefects that have to stay and for reasons, I think just having to do with her being mad that she's at the school, the daughter <laughs> downloads a like a virus from, I, I don't think the dark web existed at that time, but like the proto dark web from like a perfect website full of like flaming skulls. And it's like, are you sure you want to download the Mangler virus? And I think we're meant to believe that it's like somehow the spirit of the Mangler has become a virus of some kind. And all of the Mangler movies, I think, have in common that the filmmakers are being like, shit, the villain is a stationary piece of machinery. So in this case, it's like all of the security stuff in the school. And like, it's a lot of wires slowly lowering down from like 
uh, popcorn ceiling panels that have been pushed aside and then like strangling people. Um, and then the kids get killed off one by one and then they like escape at the end. And I think that the chauffeur of the daughter comes back and rescues her like, uh, <laughs> the shining style the groundskeeper, mm. the shining style. Ugh. But I, I made it sound a lot better than it is. That's so it also is very Canadian. Like I think it's an important oh, thing to say about that Canadian. first one. Deeply Canadian. There's like Montreal, like there, there's like Quebecois, like separatist jokes in it. It's yes. like a big com- comic relief part of it. Before I get to the Mangler Reborn recap, um, do we think the Mangler Reborn is a Canadian production? I don't no. think so. No, th- this reeks to me of uh, the horror fans that go to conventions, you know, and are excited to find like the murder set pieces, you know, Blu-ray, you know, bootleg or whatever, thinking they know how to make a movie. This reeks to me like LA suburb goth kids making a movie. It feels (laughs) extremely LA to me. Yeah, I would agree with that. At first I was like, this feels so weird and like hard to place. And then they like cut to another, like the, the second scene. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is very LA. And I would, to the, I was surprised by that also, where I was just yeah. like, oh, this must have been like, for such for what a low budget movie is, it must have been leagues more expensive just like shooting in LA in like some pretty nice neighborhoods. I feel like I kept seeing, yeah. like, I don't remember, ex- I, I, I wasn't sure exactly, but I was like, I think some of these neighborhoods that they're in, it felt like I felt this way throughout the entire movie. I really felt like it was like the part of LA where curb takes place. Like it was in like Santa Monica, <laughs> you know what I mean? I just kept expecting, like just imagining uh, Larry David being like mad at his like weird, uh, handyman and then that handyman going home and being the creepy <laughs> the guy from the mangler reborn yeah all right um so the mangler reborn is uh you're correct eric that it 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 doesn't necessarily retcon the second one it just it just ignores it there's this repair man by the name of hadley who is i, w- I want to stress this the least intimidating human being <laughs> I, I, looking human being i've ever seen in my life he is the big bad of of this movie Probably even more so than the Mangler itself, which, you know, gets scant screen time here, probably because it looks like an erector set in this one. Um, yeah, yeah the, uh, the Mangler is kind of like Norman Bates's mother in this one. Yes, and he's Norman yes, Bates. And again, exactly. with every comparison, we're throwing it life life preservers it in no way I, has earned yeah you you just real quick you to jump off of that uh <laughs> you you mentioned you didn't take notes this time this is the first time i did take notes somebody was keeping the minutes and, and, and long, of my the notes mangler. on the mangler it, the mangler as represented is it looks like it's rebuilt with two by fours water cooler jugs and kitchen <laughs> Well, lovingly and so many lovingly fetishistic shots of of it that really, I think, literally are there to pad out the runtime. Like, I think somebody was like, we will not put this on region eight DVD unless it's at least an hour and 20 minutes. And so they were like, "Okay, we need to add a couple more slow mo shots of the Mangler that we already reused. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. um, Yeah, it, it, it is mercifully 84 minutes long. Okay, so this guy Hadley. The, the least intimidating looking man in the world, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the repairman, he purchases uh, the Mangler, we come to find out, from an auction. 
after the events of the first film, which is definitely not a thing that would happen, but we'll go along with it. Um, he purchases all the pieces for it, rebuilds it in his in his house, and right off the bat, uh, it's like it's like it's talking to him. You know, he can hear the fucking. We can't hear the mangler, but he can hear it. And um, right off the bat, I had I had a, a an issue understanding what was going on because the mangler like pulls him into it mm-hmm. and appears to be eating him, mm-hmm. but then he's fine. Mm-hmm. So or, or, I wanted to ask you all about this. What was your interpretation of that scene? Did you think that it was just basically biting him or do you think do we think it ate him? And now this is like his reanimated whatever the fuck. It's yeah, all very vague. I think it was. I think if I really think about it, it kind of only makes sense if it's the latter one because otherwise he would be showing some amount of like because they show like, loss yeah exactly like and yeah. he's not at all where i just think it like it ate him and then he sort of you know liquid metal terminated himself or it did that to him back into the scariest thing known to man which is just sort of a like schlubby repair guy in a late night uh commercial <laughs> um and and then, yeah, he started going about and like doing its bidding in like a zombie kind of way. Does he speak after the yes. thing? Does he? Because okay. at the end, he goes, I am the machine or something at the end. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. Uh, so I oh, was confused right. about this too. And I did like a little research. Uh, <laughs> um, and there is a description that is extremely poorly written. Uh, it's it's either on IMDb or Wikipedia, and by research I mean I looked at IMDb and Wikipedia, <laughs> and uh, it's very poorly written. But they say that the point, the reason why he, this dude is feeding these women uh, and dudes into uh, the mangler is to keep his now deteriorating, rotting, uh, right, form, yes, uh, fresh. So there's some weird, which, by the way, isn't ever explained in the movie or said in any way in the movie. He gets a scratch on his cheek from one of the one of his uh, hostages that he has, one of these women that he's kidnapped. And that like gets exacerbated in the last act where like some you see funky teeth kind of poking through or something. But that's about all that you get that would give you a hint that this guy maybe is like an undead dude that is feeding and we see him drinking like blood soup like he drinks this or he like eats the slurry that the mangler makes of its and his victims like a little soup in his like depressing kitchen it's kind of like when in the simpsons when like the side comes off of lenny's house and he's just eating like a sad (laughs) can of beans or whatever he's like please don't tell anyone how i live like that's (laughs) that's what hadley is doing every day as a mangler zombie so this is this, as it turns out, is one of several plot lines we'll be, we will be introduced to that ultimately come together uh, uh, later in the film. Sort of a spiritual successor to Magnolia in that way. It, it really you know, it's is. L.A., yeah, the, these yeah, different LA, strands, the interconnected so, yeah. lives. Yes, <laughs> yes. There is sort of a people under the stairs vibe to this movie. Um, mm. But a- a- anyhow, uh, so then we cut to a woman who has just come home from work. Got in a big fight at her boss. I think she loses her job. Mm-hmm. Um, walks in the door. Boyfriend breaks up with her. And you're like, who the fuck is this? Where are we at? <laughs> what What is going on? Um, she goes to take a shower. Uh, 
shower doesn't work and fucking um who should show up to repair it but our friend hadley from from earlier in the film i forget if he like oh yeah he fucking throws her in a sack and then uh takes him takes her back to back to his place then we cut to uh like a father son pair of robbers who are sitting in a neighborhood um <laughs> which i have to say all of the scenes you've described so far are so like they're so cl- it is weirdly i feel like spiritually somehow an echo in a weird backwards way of like actual Stephen King stuff where it's like an attempt to make it be like, these aren't just sort of like cardboard cutouts that are going through this scenario. They're these like fully realized characters where it's like this woman's going through a divorce and this guy is here with his dad and they're a father son robbery team. And all of the scenes I should say, feel like acting exercises like they all feel like (laughs) you know what i mean like they have a very like we're sharing in acting class day like we prepared this scene did you notice the in the scene when uh because he hits uh his modus operandi is to take a rubber mallet and and bonk people on the head right Um, (laughs) yeah i want to talk about that (laughs) this is like paul bart uh was it bartlett right that's paul bart like uh, huh Paul no, Blart. no, 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 not, not the, the mall, mall cop, cop. Yes. not the mall cop. The, I'm talking about the director of eating Raul and the, Kevin James. Uh, yes. And he shows up in a bunch of stuff. He, it's like that dude, if they try to make him leather face, like that's, the, <laughs> that's, that's the threat of this movie. Um, but like when he bonks, uh, the lady who's going through the, the horrible, uh, life career losing and relationship breaking up, he bonks her on the head and she fights back and runs out of the front door and he, chases her with a bloody sack uh and there's like a dude mowing his lawn next door oh, yeah and he just yeah. like keeps like strategically which is a really funny bit actually but like it's not executed very well but the bit is that like he strategically every time he turns around is when something pops up over the edge you know that he could feasibly see you know and he goes and is walking away right. mowing down the other way um but there's a shot where he's like stuffing her in the bag and then it cuts to a long like a long shot, like a wide shot. And you see him holding the bag up. And I swear to God, there was just like a PA or something just underneath frame, like waving their hands <laughs> up in the bag just to make it look like something was going on. Cause it's like three feet over his head. And like, there's no way that he would be physically able to pull. I didn't. Uh, I know that this is a, a, a nitpicky thing and an otherwise <laughs> uh, pristinely and immaculately constructed <laughs> film. But I was obsessed with that, like quote unquote, like working class Joe who's like, he, he looks like it could not have be more of a cliche. Like Homer Simpson is less of a sort of like cliche of a working class sort of schlub character by design mm-hmm. than like this guy is where he just is like mowing the lawn. And also I thought, Oh, lawnmower man. Like this is yeah. another weird. Um, anytime there's a lawnmower in a Stephen King inspired thing, watch mm-hmm. out. Cause they're going to take some weird and liberties is, with the material. He is a larger <laughs> guy. So maybe that wasn't a knowing nod to King. So who knows? I it's it's I would not like put it past the movie entirely. I have I have no clue. But yeah, he looks just so wonderfully cartoonish in like the middle of LA that you would just have this like Ralph Cramden guy is like, ah, it's a living. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yes. was very was very funny uh to me. I had a I worked on an award show once and the executive in charge of the like whole everything, like who was in charge of the thing that the award show was for, kept talking about like, but what is 
but you got to understand people's attention spans aren't that long. I mean, think about a guy in Wisconsin and he's getting home. He's just cracking open a beer. He's eating a big sandwich. And he kept <laughs> using that as like the metric of like, is what we're doing in the show going to like capture that in his mind, like median viewer. And literally the lawnmower guy in this is I feel like exactly what that guy was imagining. <laughs> just a guy that fully does not exist anymore. Um, or if he does, he's not acting in any of the ways you're describing. He's on QAnon forums. Um, yeah. But yeah, I love that guy. I like the detail of a big sandwich. Big. He kept. He wasn't any kind of sandwich. No, he repeated. A big one. <laughs> Scott, he repeated big sandwich so many times in this like really <laughs> long meeting. He's like, he's in there. He's got his big sandwich. And what does he, what does he see when he looks on the TV and that, and that, that that's, uh, that's the guy. <laughs> Would it be funny if I knew what the awards show was? No, not particularly. It's not, okay. it's not a super fancy one. It's like, not like a, a super mm. high end one or anything like that. ABN. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he's he's getting home. He's zip. He's unzipping his fly. What does he see? You know, what is he looking at? Strangely enough, uh, the production value and, and things that would have, uh, be winning AVN awards is about on par with the production value of what we what we're talking about today. So. Very yeah, true. there was something about some of the bonking on the head was almost in certain scenes made to me in a weird way more disturbing by kind of the like. I will generously say indifferent camera work. You know what I mean? Like it made it sort of more just kind of like weird and just feel like I'm just looking at two people and one of them just hit the other one in the head with a hammer. I don't think it was intentional, but it did, it did work on me. Although the more and more bonk, the bonking went on in the movie, I was like, okay, yeah, this is, uh, this is ridiculous that he's just, he's bopping them on the head, like little bunny foo foo. Well, look, you, you, you both have addressed the bonking issue and <laughs> bonk gate. I am, astounded that neither one of you have brought up the fact that when he does do the bonking he does it as slowly <laughs> as humanly possible mm -hmm. like he'll like raise like raise your arm up like i'm still raising my arm 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 now it's like above my head he holds it then lowering the arm lowering the arm like it's like a slow-mo fucking hammer kill anyone could outrun this anyone mm -hmm. anyone could just knock his little hand away is it's like the it's so it's such a bizarre choice like the first time it happened i was like they must have just gone with a weird take on that one but no it happens several fucking times <laughs> I, I have like, a, i have a theory on this actually um, go ahead i think th my theory is that i believe this movie was made with about 25 dollars and a and a couple yeah. of large pizzas um, so the <laughs> hammer that they had, they didn't have a prop hammer that they could actually hit people with. So I think they just had the regular, like a real, like they borrowed it from the fucking grip or something, but you know, the, the rubber mallet. Right. And, um, and so I think that he had to be that slow because he's actually using something that could hurt somebody. I, he hard, I think there's maybe one shot in the entire movie where it looks like he actually does whack somebody, you know, where the, mm -hmm. there's like a kind of a quick quickness to it um but but my guess is that they just <laughs> they just didn't have a, a fucking prop one to, to use so he couldn't do full force without risking injuring one of one of the actors and then they just and then they were like well and then we tried to speed it up but then it just looked like keystone cops like we have no good we have no good options here like a Zack snyder speed ramp mid scene <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Okay, so we're we're introduced to the father son character. You mm -hmm. know what? Here's what I'm gonna do. Hold mm -hmm. on a second. 
I'm going to read the fucking Wikipedia synopsis, starting from where I'm at. Mm. We, we needn't go back. And uh, y'all just interject as as Perfect. need be, or, or I will as well. And I will say, imagine as Scott is reading this, that all of the people in it are, they feel like they would be people that would show up to like Nathan's workshop in the rehearsal to like take his class. <laughs> like there's just that vibe for some reason. Yeah. They're just have extremely exact, like in the smokers only episode of Nathan for you, like it's that LA and I can't put my finger on what I mean, but if you know, if you know, you know, I know exactly what you mean. Okay. So uh, Rick and Mike, a father son burglary duo. <laughs> A father-son burglary <laughs> duo, you know, one which of those. also feel yep. feels like its own. Sorry, I'm just. It's worse when I don't take notes. It turns you got out five words. It it's it. They feel like this. This whole thing feels like it was from a script that the people making it maybe already had. They were like halfway to like kind of a decent 100%. Tarantino ripoff thing. Even the idea of like this father and son team would then break into a house where like some bad shit is going on. That's unrelated to their crime. It's like, is in and of itself, not a terrible idea. Obviously well, everything is in the it's execution. Don't, it's don't breathe. You know, they ended up doing or a good again, version people of this, under the stairs breathe. or people under the stairs. Exactly. Okay. So that already exists. Yes, exactly. Okay. That makes me feel better. I'm like, it did feel like but, there's something but, to that idea. I am. I am with you though, in that uh, one of my big suspicions about this movie is, is that it was not originally written as a manga. No, movie. no way. I think Same this guy just 2. had 0. a torture dungeon, basically. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and someone at Lionsgate got their fucking hands on this script and was like, ah, "I don't know, this is pretty <laughs> garbage, but." What if we threw a little mangler action? A little mangler there? magic yeah. mangler fairy yeah. dust on it. That always works. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, "Baby, we got a deal." That's how this, <laughs> this fucking happened. You got so, a stew okay. going. Okay. okay, so Rick and Mike, a father-son burglary. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just the weirdest fucking phrase. Try to break into Hadley's home after hearing about his life insurance policy that he has. Um, I, I don't think that's true. I I don't either. I don't remember that. There's that long conversation yeah. with them, like casing the joint in the car, yeah. which much like the introduction of, uh, let's see, what's her name? Uh, 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 Jamie. Mm -hmm. um, when we like, we kind of just show up at her house. She's she's lost her job. She's losing her fucking husband or boyfriend or whatever the case fucking may be. And um, you know, it's like you sort of start in media res like three times in this movie. Mm -hmm. And then all the plot lines come together, which actually I thought was kind of interesting the way they did that, because it threw me off balance every single time they mm -hmm. did it. But I don't know that it was intentional. I think yeah. it's just bad filmmaking. But I thought there was something kind of interesting about that. Honestly. Right. Anyway, no, I'll agree with you there to a point because the people making this obviously had no idea actually how to make a movie that does lead to a couple of like actual shocking things. Uh, you know, it's like a person who doesn't play poker, like professional poker players will get thrown because they don't know how to fucking deal with, you know, somebody that's playing the way they are. Right. They're not playing by the right. rules. Uh, sometimes that works out and you get masterpieces. Sometimes you get Mangler Reborn, uh, but they do have like a moment here where like these, this father son duo was kind of set up to be like these 
the the heroes and then both of them just get killed like in the <laughs> middle of their heroic like rescue attempt or whatever right excuse me i'm reading the synopsis you're, yeah. you're spoiling this for the listener oh, also i can't I'm believe sorry. we've discovered a factual inaccuracy on any wikipedia page <laughs> much less the one for the mangler reborn which is uh, like a carry cared for with like talmudic however you pronounce that word intensity yes. by just scholars and has been for years uh, this might be what i read that gave me my the, the insight by the way to like what yeah i was, his motivation I was just was. gonna say so my, my awakens guess the machine with his blood and after being quote eaten yes. by it is like scare quotes um <laughs> is forced to feed it new blood to stop his corpse from rotting that's in the first paragraph my guess is that I don't think this is like a fan writing. I think this might be the filmmakers putting their their thing in there, and this is like oh. no seriously, this is all the backstory. So I'm this is my guess. That's my guess. Yeah, I could see that, and maybe they're even just thinking about an old version of it or something. Because yeah. I really do feel like in the movie they're just like, I'm truly like I like I'm just wondering like if they because I feel like in the movie the father and son are like hey that house looks nice like that's there's probably nobody there or we just saw his like truck pull away so it might be a it might be empty or something maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about that um but yeah and and after like a six minute scene that's just completely unrelated and like truly could be from like any indie movie which again is almost makes me be like is that good or bad like i don't know ultimately the movie it's in is not does not hold together but i'm like i even think that the person writing it or people writing it like had worked had made had written some screenplays before like really trying to work out their chops and then i think things like came together fast they could get a little bit of money and somebody was like what if like because like saw had already been out for a while right like saw had been around and they were like what if you do like a saw style thing and then also we slap this like mangler ip on it and that has any amount of like the stephen king association and so all of those things combined and then as you put it vespi like 25 bucks and a pizza and they and they got it together there are weird flashes of just like things that do kind of work in it, it you know throughout or things that could have worked in a different in a different context, including some of the performances, including a lot of different stuff. And this scene was like, I didn't think it was great by any stretch, but it was just like, I'm watching something that is weirdly compelling. That's about to get pulled into a less, you know, just a less compelling haunted house. Agreed. Now Rick breaks in and communicates with Mike, Rick and Mike. Oh yes. (laughs) The father son burglary duo. (laughs) Yes. Rick breaks in and communicates with Mike on a radio that he cannot get out. This is, I'm interrupting myself, but (laughs) this is a key part of Mangler Reborn lore. Once you enter Hadley's house, there is apparently no getting out of it. Despite the fact that we see the house from the outside, and it looks like a normal house with windows and all of those things. Like when they encounter windows inside the house, they're bricked over. Mm -hmm. Um don't know how that works. Some house leave shit going on here. I don't know. I was but... I was hoping they were going to have the mangler like integrated in the house. Like whenever the mm. door slammed shut on Reggie Bannister, I was like, oh shit! And there's like this weird like hydraulic contraption or something above it. Um, and I was like, oh, is this going to be? This is interesting because then suddenly the mangler is the house itself, and I'm like, oh, that's real. That's kind of an interesting idea. And then it's like, no, it's just a booby trap, and everything has a deadbolt on it, so you can't like leave. Eric, you're getting dangerously close to what I have feared. I continually fear will happen, which is that the three of us are going to end up being like, you know what? We should fucking make a mangler movie. Where I'm like, hearing you say that, I'm like, that is a good idea. Like this. (laughs) 
Um, I hey, I got 25 bucks. We're going to get, we're gonna get pulled into this cursed franchise. Like we're like <laughs> goofing on all these other filmmakers that have gone before. And then suddenly we're going to be like, no, but you know what? I think we can do it. And then we also <laughs> end up getting pulled into the literal and figurative uh, mangler. It will Love be the king, kingdom of the crystal skull. Of the, uh, <laughs> the mangler franchise. So great. <laughs> um, the mangler's power so yeah, was knowledge. Uh, Rick is now uh, trapped in the house after hearing another victim named Gwen Wallach cries for help. He tries to help her, but Hadley comes home and beats Rick to death with a ball peen hammer. Uh, ball peen is misspelled here and feeds him to his machine. Mike walks into the house while Hadley is away and wants to help Jamie get out of the house, but he but just wants the money the money and leave. What the fuck? Who wrote this? <laughs> what is this? There's whole words missing from this. Uh-huh. This isn't I, my hangover talking. L- no. Let me read that again. Mike walks into the house while Hadley is away, comma, and wants to help Jamie get out of the house, comma, but just wants the money and leave. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It's here I'd like to pause for a moment and go back to the way the mangler looks in this movie. It is an abomination. (laughs) If you saw the first mangler and thought, that looks like a piece of shit, you will be startled by how brilliant that production design was in comparison to what happens in this movie, where the mangler just looks, as Vespi described it earlier, Um, But to me, it just looked like an erector set. And then once you go into it, it's got like little arms that come down and they're not very sturdy because you can see them trembling in some of the scenes, (laughs) like on camera, just shaking in place uh, with like kitchen knives, just like taped to them, basically, or wired up to them or something. And then those little arms like pow, 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 like come down on you and stab you a bunch of times. And then you get turned into the uh, blood soup that our man Hadley drinks later yeah do we um, think that spoon. he's supposed to have modded it to be more murdery or because they literally say that he like and they, they set up ad length in a like credits sequence that where like you're seeing like newspapers that literally have a sub jackbox games uh graphics yeah. quali- graphical quality uh-huh. to them um that it's like a true it's an actual haunted laundry machine oh and one thing that bothered me about that um it, this is i don't have to take notes it turns out as long as things bother me they'll be stuck in my craw uh, weeks later as it turns out in the in that opening scene where we're seeing all of these like newspaper headlines about like laundry machine kills again or whatever, it says like and residents are even calling it the mangler. Where it's like, no, fucker, <laughs> like in the original story and part of the whole play of it and part of the whole Stephen King like genius of it, even though it's like easily one of his like lesser stories, is that it's the machine itself is literally called a laundry mangler or a mangle in real life. It that's it's literally called that. So that's like you're you're taking away the like sort of fun wordplay of it that I think was probably part of the inspiration for the story and just being like because it's mangled so many people residents have have named it like the widowmaker but it's the mangler you know and uh, that just bothered me out of all proportion and apparently I've only gotten more bothered about it as the weeks have gone on. The thing that really fucking pissed me off about the opening credits was there were what looked like. Hot, like you know faux newspapers uh-huh. but somehow even though the production clearly created these on some level whether or not they're fucking 
photoshopped or I don't know what, you know, I doubt they went to the trouble of actually printing these things. But even though they were in charge of that, they still had to use like a label maker to add headlines, right? <laughs> so, so like the newsprint is all like yellowed and fucking aged as you would expect it to be because it's two years old. And, you know, newspaper turns bright yellow as soon as it's, you know, a day old. Um, but, but then there's like cut out just phrases on a piece of paper. It looks like someone used a label maker to add more uh, commentary mm-hmm. to it. Yes. And uh, that's that's fucking ridiculous. And I also think to give them the benefit, the filmmakers, the benefit of the doubt, that whole thing also feels like it was a like potentially not even by them, like post-production thing that was maybe added to like mangler it up a little bit. You know, like that's Perhaps. when I, when I first saw Perhaps. that, it, it did make me be like, oh, is the rest of this even a mangler thing? Is this just like somebody's attempt to like slap that IP on it? That's mm-hmm. the sense that I got. But the sort of, indifference with which it was handled did uh did kind of rub me the wrong way indeed mm-hmm. eric do you have any complaints about the opening credits <laughs> <laughs> i like that no. we went back we couldn't help ourselves <laughs> no, we were free we're here we to talk about it but we want to talk no. about it uh, only echo what you you've said because i i had the same note where i was just the the label maker thing stands out <laughs> so much because yeah. it, it's they do the it's not that they had to do something where like, fuck, we need to get this idea across. Let's figure out a way to hide it in a shadow or hide the edges or whatever. They do like just this complete close up where you can see that the text is on a piece of printed out paper that's raised above what, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, it's like taped is, on top of the fucking thing. It's it's, it, it's like they make no effort to try to conceal it. Like I get, you know, when you're making a movie and. You know, there are going to be things that pop up and you're going to challenges you're going to have to work around. But, you know, the whole point is to mitigate, you know, to blur those lines, to hide the magic of magic trick. Yeah. And Uh, this was never a physical. There there was no no attempt to do that here. Yeah, this was never. That's another thing that kind of is annoying. It's like this was never a physical prop. It is actually hard to make like fake newspaper that somebody's going to handle and look like a real newspaper. But um, but if it's just only ever going to be like non diegetic, like credit sequence stuff or just on a screen or whatever, like th- that is easily photoshoppable. You know, it's not uh, mm-hmm. this is just going to turn into me giving like a lesson on the on Canva, that app Canva. I'm just going to be like, well, <laughs> just rasterize the type layer and then <laughs> no fucking reason for me to do that. But I feel weirdly strongly about it. OK, Um <laughs> Trying to center myself. Where were we? Okay, yeah. I like that one of us, by the way, always has to be in some sort of state of like recovering Keep. from a COVID vaccine or being hung over <laughs> or something. Like that's kind of what watching these movies feels like anyway. So there's something nicely appropriate about that. Well, you know, since you bring that up, I would like to mention that I was just Everest as fuck when I watched this. I um I took two <laughs> uh, I took fifty milligrams worth of edibles before Jesus, I watched okay. this. Yep. And um and uh, man, I, well, I'll, I'll I'll loop back around to this because I have some I have some <laughs> some thoughts about this movie in general, but we'll save that for after we get through the plot. Um, final paragraph. So we're in the home stretch, boys. Uh, Mike thinks that his dad left him while conversing with Jamie about his life after his mother died, leaving his father widowed. Not knowing about past criminal history. What the fuck? (laughs) I feel like my brain is melting reading this. Mike thinks that his dad left him, comma, while conversing with Jamie about his life after his mother died. 
leaving his father widowed, not knowing about past criminal history. That's that's not a sentence. That doesn't make that's words separated by commas. Uh-huh. Hadley, now knowing Mike is inside the house, tries to kill him, but accidentally disables his security system. <laughs> you know, happens to the best of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot um, that they kind of set up a like diehard or an airheads more accurately with with him yeah, the for guy a minute. Crawling where through he's, the yeah, yeah, like he literally I was like, oh, okay, I see, I get it. I get I get where you're going, but they kind of end up not doing anything with it. Like he, he does see the mangler, or not the mangler. He does see Hadley, I think like put his face back on in the mirror or whatever. Right. Like what, like I think that's when that was happening. I, for what it's worth was completely not stoned. We were doing dry January. So I had had, I was sober as a church mouse and uh, I still, this it's just coming back to me in flashes. Huh. Uh, Ugh, I, I watched, I watched it sober <laughs> as well. Did you, did you guys notice with speaking of the vent scene where the vent was just like, the regular kind of vent that everybody has in their house or apartment that's not human sized whatsoever. Right. It's just like a heat register. Yeah. But they just kind of like pushed into it. And then suddenly the guy was inside. Yep. Yes, I do. Yes. That was bigger. The bigger issue beyond the vent being that small is that Uh the actual like air tunnel Mm -hmm. itself is so large. Yes. Like it's in a house. These things are like, you know, eight by 10, maybe 12 by 15 or something. They're not that big. This guy is like crawling through what looks like a refrigerator box tipped on its side. Like it's that big around that he can be on like his hands and knees. It's not a fucking industrial factory. Like it's not going to, Oh God. (laughs) I will say, I think this movie is really about, which is in the spirit of the franchise and the original short story. It's really about the death of the American working class. Cause you know, (laughs) this guy can like in his wife who it doesn't seem like his wife works it seems like it's a single income household he's just a handyman and they can afford it that's a pretty sweet like like i i guarantee you that house is it wasn't clearly wasn't renovated at the time like it was original was just like that's probably like a five million dollar house now like it's a really nice big house in la and he's just a a handyman who blows his life savings on a haunted laundry machine and then everything goes south also, and I think the haunted laundry machine laundry is like the promise anyway. of upward mobility, I guess, is if I can <laughs> bring the metaphor around. <laughs> All right. Um, Hadley, no, now knowing Mike is inside the house, tries to kill him, but accidentally disables his security system, unlocking the room Jamie was in, freeing her while Mike starts to fight Hadley, whom kills him. Whom kills him? Mm-hmm. Uh, by shoving him headfirst into a wood chipper. Which is, is not most... true. That's the mangler, my my friend. That's the title character. <laughs> How do you not know the mangler? <laughs> the wood chipper. What the fuck? This guy was like, this guy paused watching the Mangle Reborn halfway through, watched Fargo in its entirety, and then came back to the Mangle Reborn. He just had wood chipper on the brain. It's even funnier if we're still imagining that the director himself. Actually, the the writers on the script are Eric Gardner and Matt Cunningham, who are also both the directors. So you get a twofer here, baby. And you producers, know, two directors for the price of one, two writers, Come and on. producers, and and producers. I think they also are in a band that became the the people that did the score. So <gasps> what? I think I'm, no. I don't so, don't uh, I wouldn't bet my house on it, but uh, I do know that they were in a band, and I'm 
pretty sure the band's name is the it same one as the does one. feel like well, it exists in the same sort of universe as like troy duffy boondock saints like his band that he also that also did the score like it, that is, feels res- that that kind of jibes i, I feel the, like the score is something i want i've just discovered something incredible Mm. um the score and the score is something i want to talk about because the score has just been released on two lp by very sarabande or however you say that um <laughs> it's it goes lovely with your uh, tar soundtrack with kate winslet actually not kate winslet it, jesus it christ it sounds Blanchett, like actually. someone trying to do a trent reznor Atticus yes. raw score yes, but yes, not yes. having a fraction of the talent and and what's interesting in it, much much like how the movie kind of accidentally does interesting things from time to time, I think the score is accidentally effective from time. Mm-hmm. To time. I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, and so there's some some scenes where it's like really unsettling, and you're like, wow, they're kind of doing this is kind of coming together in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And then there's other scenes where the score is just like wah, 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 <laughs> for, for fucking like eight minutes straight or something. <laughs> anyway, listen to this. Uh, the score was done by Climax Golden Twins, an American experimental music band formed in 93 in Seattle, Washington by Robert Millis and Jeffrey Taylor, mm. who remain the primary songwriters and producers. The group notably, perf- notably performed the soundtrack to the 2001 cult horror film Session 9. What? Yes. So they did Session 9, then they did Mangler Reborn? Yes. Very unfortunate. But... One of those things is not like the other. <laughs> Session nine, for for anyone who's been listening to the show for a long time, you know that is like one of, if not my all-time favorite horror movie. Wow. I love, I, I love that it. movie. You haven't seen Session nine? No, no, no. I remember oh. it being much talked about in the kind of, that was in my biggest like ain't it cool reading period. And I remember mm-hmm. that being, it being much touted. And I don't know why I didn't see it because I was, that was the most horror, the most into horror I have ever been in my life. So I don't know why I'd never tracked you it down. But. Absolutely. You absolutely must see session nine. It's <laughs> man. I, I, I'm not going to derail this podcast by going on about it for four hours, but I could, if I wanted to, it is, I can't say enough good things about it. I love Damn, it. I'll put it on the list. Death. I'll put it on we, the list. We, uh, um, we had a show, a live show we did last year in Bangor and we flew into Boston and drove up and the location where they made session nine is outside of, uh, Boston, mm-hmm. and Dangerous. I've never heard Scott so excited as when Aww. he spotted the spire of <gasps> this mental institution. Did you know it was there? Like, were you guys actively oh, seeing yeah. that? Oh, okay, gotcha. knew, it wasn't just I like you drove it. by it, and it was like, wait, behind that friendly sign, it's the spire. No, from I, knew, I knew we were in the area of it, uh-huh. but I didn't know it was like wow. right there. And we're it's right like, the highway, it's yeah. in Danvers, right outside yeah. of fucking Boston. And, um, you know, that's the, one of the really interesting things about this movie is there was this... In Danvers, they had this like gigantic, sprawling, insane asylum where all manner of and this is like this is not like movie lore. This is like real shit, like all manner of horrible things occurred, you know, like a legitimately haunted by history sort of place, you know, and um, the uh, the uh, the main building in it is the Kirkbride building, which has a very particular looking spire on it and. Anyway, the director and the writer, and I know this because I interviewed them for like a, a 20th anniversary, uh, like sort of oral history about the movie because mm-hmm. I'm an obsessive nerd. Um, they they told me that they got like these like urban explorers to take them in there before, you know, while they were sort of mm-hmm. 
you know, plotting the movie and scripting it. And, you know, so they broke into this place and fucking, you know, it's got like a series of tunnels underneath it. Oh, it's got like all these rooms that are exactly as they were when. Oh, my gosh. You know, like criminally insane people were living in them and they're like wallpapered with like tiny little clippings from magazines and shit like the most you know seven looking environment you can imagine well these guys managed to convince the local township to let them shoot on location in this building that was more or less condemned right and it was extremely unsafe um a buddy of mine actually worked on it uh uh russ fisher he was oh sure uh, yeah i know russ yeah yeah he he was like a pa on that or some shit and uh he he's told me stories about like yeah, we'd be shooting in like one part of the building and then we'd have to get to, say, you know, fucking three rooms down. But the floors weren't safe to roll uh, the equipment through there. So you yeah. have to walk it around the entirety <sighs> of the building and come in from like the other side. Like, that's how dangerous. Oh, my gosh. Is. Yeah. Anyway, that's you talk about production value on a movie. It's all on screen. Like you yeah. see you see those rooms, you see those tunnels, you see all that shit I'm talking about. It is incredible. Wow. You will love this movie. Oh, God, anyway, check it out. I'm fucking dumbfounded that this is the same people that did that score. Mm. Wow. Dang, did they do anything it... after this? Or is it just their only two movies to their credit? Let me look. Session nine and Mangler Reborn. Well, all that to say, if 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 not, somebody could if you may I don't know if they're still around, but it sounds like they're potentially an undervalued. You might get some a little money ball going on here. They're yeah. a little kind of an undervalued property. Cause I did, I agree with you. I had kind of forgotten about it, but I did think the score in this did really work at times and there were things that were sort of effective and creepy and i would there would be whole stretches of the movie where i was like wait does this work and then it would kind of it would it would like lose it again but yeah i i I think that that was a big part of it to your question it looks like um i don't know it's hard to tell because it's just like studio albums right Mm. and they've got session nine listed there but they don't have the Mangler 2 listed on this <laughs> And I'm not sure if some of these are album titles or movie titles. None of them are like a blue link indicating mm. that I could click through click and through, see, right. you know, so except for Session 9. So which leads me to believe Session 9 and this are all <laughs> they have done in terms Hell of, of a legacy. Scores. Yeah, indeed. OK, right, so, so finishing up this, this synopsis. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Jamie and Hadley fight, resulting in both of them falling into the wood chipper again with the wood chipper. Uh-huh. A week later, Hadley, having survived, rings the doorbell of another potential victim. That ending kind of felt like tacked on to me, or it yeah. felt like too. Oh, yes. It almost felt like I was like, ah, maybe it's the more quote unquote commercial ending, but like when they did the sort of like cynical, like, yeah, she actually, like she, she won basically. And then it was like, actually she fell and she died too. And then he's actually back out there (laughs) doing his whatever. And then I feel like they tried to have like a reveal where it's like, you saw him with the hammer and it's clearly like, he's going to kill, you know, whoever Larry David, who's like called him to like, cause (laughs) you know, Jeff broke his toilet or whatever. Um, He's going to kill whoever's on the other side of that door. But then the final shot, it was like, it seemed like it was meant to be a reveal. It's like, he's still got the hammer. And I kind of thought like they cheated themselves, frankly, by not having her like win and escape because it felt like that is sort of, that was like what the math of it felt like to me. You know what I mean? Like that, that was honestly, I was a little bit like, oh, lame. Like, it's not like it always has to be like a quote unquote happy ending, but I feel like they'd at least earned a kind of cathartic 
little Texas Chainsaw Massacre moment at the end where right. it's like, holy fuck. Okay. Anyway, it's over. Um, and you could always have him come back if you wanted to. I did not think like he's actually still out there because he fell into the thing. And so it doesn't really matter because he just comes back no matter what, or he, I don't yeah. know. It did all that to because say. Cause he's a mangler zombie work. or something. Exactly. Yeah. That, uh, didn't work for me. No, it's inexplicable in a movie that's filled with other inexplicable things. So you shouldn't be looking for logic at that point. But at the same time, if you're, you can be illogical, you still have to play within the rules of your universe. Yeah. You know? And it just, you know, maybe if, if he looked fucked up every time he went through the machine, like that, that would have been creepy. What if they like maniac copped him? Right. And so he goes through the machine and then he kind of comes out this like, corpse you know mutilated dick yeah. tracy villain looking motherfucker you know <laughs> with a stitched up face or something that would have been creepy and yeah then, then he'd be then he looks even more fucked up you know because he went through it again you know the second time like when that could have fa- been cool but when yeah. his face starts peeling apart yeah uh me and my boy that were watching it shout out to luke i know he's listening to this episode we thought that um ultimately he would like shed the skin and be machine right mm. you know because mm-hmm. it looked like it looked like some metal shining through on, or, or coming through his face yeah and so that's kind of where i thought it was headed but they he's a mangler terminator <laughs> yeah basically like and like he's got he's so uh, uh beholden to the mangler that he is actually becoming a machine mm. which is kind of an interesting idea i mean it would have been really really bad for them to attempt that uh, on screen because they were clearly working with very <laughs> limited resources on this, but that that is what I thought was <laughs> how this was gonna this was gonna turn out. Mm. Did the synopsis mention that his daughter came? Mm-hmm. It did. That came out of nowhere for me in the movie. Like they mentioned it at the beginning, like, well, our daughter's coming to town, and it's like, okay, clearly the daughter's gonna come, and he he will have killed the mom already. Yeah. And then it seemed like by the time they broke into the house, it seemed like it was like years later. Like the house had completely gone to shit and was like empty. And then that it was like the daughter's here, and it was like, wait, is this supposed to be like the next week? Like, yeah, I think it is. I think it's supposed to happen pretty quickly. And also, that was a like again. I I don't want any of this to be read as like a knock on low budget filmmaking writ large. It's not at all. Like, have a low budget, go make some shit with your friends. Like, that's sometimes when the most creative stuff happens. But I did feel like there were things in this where it's like you saw why movies are so expensive. Where like when the daughter showed up, they just didn't like have the street lit which can look uh-huh. kind of phony when they do it in movies too. We're like, why is the street that bright? But when you see something that doesn't do it, it's like, it's like she's coming out of space. Like she's <laughs> just like, no, she's in, I'm sure a like pretty bright, like LA neighborhood at night. And it still looks like she's coming out of this weird uh, void. Mm-hmm. You know, here's a, here's a fun fact for you. Uh, I notice here looking at the Wikipedia page that um, the guy we were talking about earlier with the lawnmower mm-hmm. credited as lawn mowing man. Ah, uh, yeah, it was an homage. It feels like it had to be, right? Probably. A little, hat, uh, his, little tip of the hat. That guy's name is Jeff Burr, who is an American film director, writer, and producer <gasps> best known for his work in horror sequels, such as wow. Stepfather, Stepfather 2, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Puppet Master 4 and 5, and Pumpkinhead 2. They don't list The Mangler Reborn. Here. That's so um, funny. <laughs> Uh, that feels yeah. like it was like a choice on their part to be like, let's get the guy who's from all the sequels. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently this guy has done a shit ton of stuff since the early eighties. I mean, we all remembered him. He, he kind of got in there and 
he ate it up like that big sandwich. He, he we did, all we all were talking about it. Most of it. Yeah. Well, the the other horror royalty in this is uh, Reggie Bannister, who's Fantastic. not as well known for like just I don't know average uh, horror consumers, I guess. But if you like kind of the deep cut AD stuff, you know, he was the ended up being one of the stars of the phantasm series. And he, he never really had anything major past that, like as big as the phantasms, but he's somebody I actually know in real life and have gotten to know, you know, over the course of many, many years. And, uh, super nice guy, uh, bless his bald heart. He's trying his, his damnedest here. He's the uh, dad, right? The, the, yeah, the burglar duo's dad. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good. Like he was one of the, both the father and the son. I was like, neither of them are, bad by like they're just yeah. sort of it's like that it's not i i doubt i i bet there's a lot of takes that either of them would want back but like it definitely right. felt like they hired real yeah. actors and i did think he was very weirdly compelling it's not shocking to learn that he's been in other horror stuff yeah he there's definitely an ease you can you know no, no matter no matter what not to you know put down any of the other cast members but like he's definitely more at ease in front of the camera there and uh uh, yeah, I mean, there there are some performances in this movie that are shockingly terrible. There was so. another actor in it. One of the, I can't remember which one, but one of the women, there's so many just like women getting locked in rooms, like rooms. thrown into rooms and locked. Like it felt like this was by like the American Door Council. Like there's just so much, <laughs> so many doors being like slammed and locked. And so I can't remember who, but I remember looking up one of them and it was like, she was in the pie or in like a series that Jennifer Aniston was in. That was one, like a one season wonder, Mm. like right before Aniston got friends, Mm. you know what I like? She was like higher on the call sheet than Jennifer Aniston. And I just really (laughs) felt for her, like the idea that it would be like years later and they would be like, you would be flashing back to like, yeah, I was a bigger deal than Jennifer Aniston at one point. And then the <laughs> thing got canceled. She went off and did friends. And then the, she just gets broken out of her reverie by them being like, okay, so we're just resetting the mangler and then we're going to feed you back into it. Um, <laughs> two minutes. You can grab a donut if you want. We have Krispy Kremes today. <laughs> and just sort of like that. Th- I just felt right. like the showbiz on such a deep level, such a deep level of empathy for, for her and for that, the, the weird places that you find yourself, including a reborn mangler. Looking at my notes, there are a couple of things that I, I want to <laughs> talk about. I'm going to list off a couple of details. Please. The first girl that they find uh, in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're supposed to be under the impression that she's been there for a while. And so the whole concept is this guy goes, makes house calls, bonks people on the head, puts them <laughs> in the bloody sack, um, somehow gets them to his van and drives them in uh, mm-hmm. To back to his house, he puts pulls them into the house, locks them in a room, lets them, I guess, gestate for a little bit, and then you know soften up and get ready <laughs> to be mangled. And then he feeds them into the mangler, drinks the slurry, and rinse, wash, repeat. So there's already somebody in there by the time that's been there for a while. And that lady, I had my note on her was the first locked up girl, apparently sweating coffee from her armpits. <laughs> because they like they just tried to make her look like she'd been there for a while and uh-huh. to do that they just gave her pit stains but obviously they said well that's not dark enough and it's a white shirt so it was just brown pit stains i don't know it was just i know it's a weird thing to hyper fixate on in this in this movie but uh it, it stood out to me enough to make a note that 
for that. They were, well, I mean, I, Eric, I don't know if you know anything about how adrenochrome is produced, but you got to really let the fear of your victims kind of sort of, yeah, exactly. Build up like sure. a, to a maximum dose before you feed them into your it's, mangler. It's, the mangler is part of Q, the QAnon conspiracy. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> Yo, for sure. Well, <laughs> it, 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 that is cat turd too, is, is the mangler. So <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, it's the Pennywise strategy, right? So it's like the they want they want him to be as scared as possible before before you feed him. I feel know. like you could get a job in so many different fields by just coming in and being like, I do what's called the Pennywise strategy, and you don't even have to explain what it is. And people are like, ooh, that sounds real, <laughs> yes, and terrifying. You're hired. Blank plus blank equals billion dollars. Yes, Dead exactly. Kids plus <laughs> fear equals a billion dollars. Um, the there's two other like weird little details. Did you notice there was a stuffed squirrel on all the exterior shots of the backyard? No, from the backyard of the house. No, that's no. so funny. I didn't. They, they they keep cutting to this like very wide angle shot of the back of the quote unquote nice house as as different people over the course of you can tell that they shot it all at the same time mm. but you know because it's the exact same frame um, right but it's this wide shot of like reggie banister picking the lock and walking up and picking the lock then his son comes in like 20 minutes later it's the same wide shot um and in there there's like a little overhang above the uh the rear door and there's a squirrel that does not move and is in the exact same position for both shots <laughs> Uh, and I and I'm I I'm no I'm 100 percent sure that it's just a stuffed squirrel that they decided to put up there. So uh, so there's what that the detail. Fuck? And also, did you guys? I, I thought this was a problem with my file, but were all the curse words edited out? Yes, 100. Yes. percent That was so strange. Okay. Whereas, like, I, was this like imported from like Grace Flicks or whatever sort of like right. Christian like uh, Netflix equivalent? Yeah. Like, I is that the only on- existing copy? Yeah, I watched it on Amazon Prime. Same, so I thought same. maybe I was like, oh, maybe this is one of those like TV, you know, add-ons or something. Uh, but no, all the violence is there and all the the gratuitous blood and all that. And uh, but every single curse word is said. It's kind of like uh, in Galaxy Quest whenever whenever Sigourney Weaver clearly says fuck that and it's like she goes forget that. It's that clear, except they don't like do any dubbing on it. So it's no. just like somebody will say like like. I don't know what's going on with this <laughs> shitty thing. And it'll be just like, I don't know what's going on with this thing. You know, it's like, it, it, right. they just bleep, like anti bleep it out. It, it's, it's, it's so odd. It's such an odd. Is it PG 13? I don't uh, know. There's no, no way. Right. Oh, gotcha. Okay. It made me wonder yeah, if like, be. if it was just like a l- late, in the movie's life if they were just like well it actually can't be r for some reason and we don't have the money to like overdub all these swears so we'll just like weirdly bleep them out yeah that was very strange Hmm. and the other detail i wanted to mention was how every time the mangler revs down it makes the dying Millennium Falcon trying to jump. In it the does, doesn't it? <gasps> <gasps> wow, it totally so, does. He's like, they're like, yeah. And then that's when you got to get Han in there to come bang on the yeah, and Chewie screaming, yeah, and Lando saying it's not his fault, yeah, in the background. I would like to address something. I, you know, this is a very bad movie. I gotta tell you though, I think I prefer it to the second one. Ooh, I just think that those moments where it accidentally does something interesting are on the whole more entertaining than the second Mm -hmm. one. It's also more um, loyal to the source material for sure, you know, in that there's an actual fucking mangler in it. 
I, you know, this, the fucking computer virus. Of the second one. For my little weird preoccupations with like bad nineties hacker stuff. The second one I enjoyed, I think watching it more, but more, you know, from, I guess, kind of an ironic appreciation standpoint. Whereas this one, mm-hmm. I will agree, like, actually had some things that I could imagine anyone being scared by or some moments of genuine kind of like attention or oh that was creepy or oh whatever whereas Mangler 2 I don't think anyone would ever remotely come in close to being like scared by right. that as a mm-hmm. as a movie whatsoever yeah they're I would both, I would agree with you they're both terrible <laughs> they're they're both unquestionably terrible I, I the second one's just more of a movie you know versus this one's friends fucking around you know trying to make something in their backyard it feels like and i have a little higher tolerance for the stuff that has even a modicum of production value to it uh and also i'm just way more interested in in a bad movie trying to capitalize off of the faculty you know mid to late 90s era uh, versus versus, you know a, a mid aughts thing that's trying to be some sort of hostile you know i don't know torture porn adjacent you know thing i don't know i just i i can't follow you down that road like i don't i don't want to watch either of them again uh but you know if i if i had to i'd probably watch the second one it's such an interesting franchise where it's just like each one of them is its own weird stylistic foray into like a completely different thing like the first one is so weird and kind of pre-hobbit peter jackson-y sort of like partially just because i think it was literally shot in new zealand but like terry gilliam like it isn't really scary but it's doing some more like magical realism type stuff the second one yeah has that totally like kevin williamson core kind of thing wanting to do that kind of like snarky teen plus hacker movie thing going on and then, yeah, this one just, again, completely different, completely different vibe, completely different locations. Like, it doesn't feel like, oh, the first one worked and we're just chasing that. It feels like people just keep running into the same, trying to run through the same level of, like, the platforming video game and just not, it. they just get into a no. a literal mangler. This is a- which is why we can't do ours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what we could do is a uh, mangler con. here's what what we do we get the three of us we go to we'll go to that fucking uh, laundry place where king works in bangor Mm -hmm. again yeah we'll screen the mangler movies all three of them back to back the most punishing assault on the senses you can imagine (laughs) we'll kidnap stephen king and make him watch all three with us we'll get ted levine involved oh we'll get uh we'll get reggie bannister you know um, get him on as guests, and baby, we can sell tickets to that thousand dollars a piece. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do dynamic pricing on that one, and just see where we <laughs> see where we end up. Yeah, we'll take the AMC model, and the the best seats will not be fed to the mangler. <laughs> the cheap seats end up being fed to the mangler. People in the first three rows, you will get sprayed with blood. <laughs> I wonder if we could get Ted Levine on the show to talk about the mangler. I wonder that like, do you too. Think he'd be I, I open to it. You know what? My instinct is that he would be way more interested in talking about the Mangler than saying, "Hey, let's talk about Buffalo Bill." You know, right. let's talk about Silence of the Lambs. I don't know why I have that instinct that he's like that. I go. I think he might do it, but there's something in the back of my mind going. You know what? Maybe he would do. It's this. Worth an ask. All right. Well, if we and can that get opens Ted the Levine. door to to ManglerCon. Yes. Yes. 
And, and if we can get Ted Levine on the show, DC, you will be a guest host. Thank you. Episode. Oh gosh, Absolutely. I would I would love that. And I, I mean, would also probably throw my headphones across the room as soon as his voice came on, just because of that that <laughs> subconscious <laughs> silence uh, of the Lambs Association. Amazing voice on that guy. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. yeah, we'll be doing nothing but quoting his movies at him <laughs> in very bad impersonations. <laughs> get him on and then just should, okay. He should for fucking um, ninety minutes. <laughs> okay, Ted Levine. Here's my idea for your uh, career. Not that you need one. I think you're doing fine, but. Um, podcast Ted, you know because you know how now it's oh, a thing yeah. where it's like people have podcasts about their own work because yes. hollywood mm-hmm. is like an ouroboros yes. um yeah the office ladies he has exactly he has an office yeah. ladies style thing where he just watches and reviews and reacts to ted levine movies <laughs> and it's called i would watch me <laughs> i would watch me i'd so watch me <laughs> I'd watch me so hard. (laughs) Toretto, it's always Toretto. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm kind of sad that this run is over. I know, me too. I never in a million years thought I would watch all three of these fucking (laughs) And And now here at the end of all things, I'm just like, you know, I wish there were two more of them, at least. At least with the the Children of the Corn series, there's there's seemingly an endless number of them. And you know, we won't even those. we won't even get through all of those before the show ends. <laughs> <laughs> like there's just there's just no way. Um, but the Mangler, just the three of them. Yeah, it's kind of there's a beautiful symmetry to it in in a way. But it's yeah, you're right. It's sad. This is where we roll a like set to um, that Green Day that slow Green Day song. We we run a like montage of all the different Mangler moments. <laughs> It's the perfect trilogy. So take the photographs and manglers in your mind. The mangler grabs you by the wrist, directs you to your death. Uh, Eric, do you have any any final thoughts on on the mangler reborn? Mm. Well, I think I've hit all the details, the curious details. Um, the only we kind of glossed over it, so maybe we've already addressed it enough. But the that inclusion of the daughter character is so fucking out there and weird uh, that I almost respect it because it's like you have this character show up and she's like, "Daddy," and he fucking what's he do? He fucking bonks her in the head and locks her in a room, and then he fucking kills her. It's like, okay, I okay, all right, I see, I see you there a little bit, you know. I don't know that that was a little out of left. There wasn't like a pleading to the human side of her father or a little glimpse of the man he used to be or any, none of that shit. It's just like, Oh no, nope, same. Might as well just be a random, random girl. I don't well, know. They, if just I need, tr- they just needed more victims for Hadley. Mm-hmm. Clearly. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was strange. And it did. If that ever happens to you and your dad is clearly like violently killing people in your house and it looks completely different and your mom is dead. Like, just uh, run, like, go with the guy who's like, we got to get out of here. Cause she's like, no, I, he's my dad or whatever. Where I just felt like, figure it out later. You know, man, he is I your don't dad. remember this at all. You got to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Were you going to follow up? You were talking about yeah, it, yeah, yeah. you being Everest as fuck watching this. And then you were. Well, that, yeah, I kind of got to the point I was getting to was that I didn't have a bad time watching it. Hmm. You know, that, and, and that I, you know, what I said a moment ago about how. I would prefer watching this to the second one just because it's so fucking weird and like, you know, I don't know. It's poorly made. There's no getting around that. You know, there's no scenario here where I tell you this is a good movie, but 
just the the weird little things going on in the margins of this movie were enough to keep me compelled. And it, it had me more uh, interested in the whole thing than I ever was with Mangler 2.0. Now, I voiced this same opinion to uh, my buddy Luke, who I was mm. watching it with, who was not yeah. on edibles. And his position was I should have taken edibles then because this was a horrendous piece of shit, (laughs) Um, which is fair. So So you think if you watch Mangler 2.0 with 50 milligrams of edibles in your system, you might uh, 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 stick by this ranking of revisiting? I think, yeah, I think I would stick by it. I think the the fact that there isn't really a Mangler in the Mangler 2.0 is just a huge fucking roadblock for me to appreciating that movie. And I, I do think it is like really good um, early nineties, shitty horror movie trash. You know, it is, it's, yeah. you know, like a children of the corn two kind of thing right. where, you know, I can imagine seeing this on HBO at three in the morning when <laughs> I was like 12, but yeah, I think I would, I think I would stick with it. I just, I think it's a more interesting disaster. I guess is the way to, mm. to to put it. It is the least movie like of all three of them. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's got the least uh, number of movie symptoms. We, we could say, <laughs> you know, and to your and, point earlier, I think I think if we all went back and rewatched the first one, we would be blown the fuck away at this point. Yeah, I think it's a real like we would be like, what were we complaining about? Like what mm-hmm. was wrong? It's, it's sort of like it the in the middle of covid when you were thinking back to like problems i had in early 2020 and you're like i had no idea what was coming for me (laughs) you're right Hmm. well dc we thank you for taking this journey with us thanks mangler crew this was and i i wish you guys all the best as you kind of complete the larger journey of the king cast i think what you got truly to 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 be uncharacteristic characteristically for us sincere for a second i think it's just been incredible what you guys have achieved and and with this show is really really cool and it's been so fun to be in a, this little weird corner of it you know <laughs> what i mean it's been really really fun and also i did Dreamcatcher. i always forget about that that was another weird early covid yeah. thing oh my um God, that's right I and forgot about that yeah and so and and then that kind of and i think i probably mentioned it before but that kicked me off on a whole king binge particularly when i was reading the mangler and i started reading a lot of king like short story and like novella collections like right after our kid was born because that was like all i had the attention span for and it was great i loved it that was so that i think really in a weird way has kind of powered a lot of my reading life and my creativity since then so i i really thank you guys for asking me to be a part of it it's been you know, the mangler of it all aside, but also not aside. I love movies like this. I love little weird movies where you want to try to figure out like how it was made or whatever. Right. Like I've had a, a real blast being a part of it. So thanks you guys. Oh, that's very sweet. I really do appreciate that. And I also want to apologize to the directors and producers and writers of this movie. Uh, weirdly enough i have a feeling like they might be the type that might listen to the show or hear about this and listen to it and if you made it all the way to this uh, we're really sorry if they uh, do i'd love to have them on uh eric gardner matt cunningham if you are listening to this please reach out i think there's a huge chance that they would agree with a lot of the points that we made and that they came more from the way that they had to make it and get it done then um then that they were like, yeah, that's exactly yeah. how I would have it given all the time and money in the world. And, 
also just like again it's hard to make a little thing and it's cool that they made a movie and you know you yeah i haven't made a movie. <laughs> you you do what you can and that's true of all these mangler yeah. movies like they're so weird and interesting they all have their own it is such a little weird interesting corner of the of the stephen king adaptation right. universe it's not what i would call unimpeachable or great but it's super interesting and this movie definitely falls in that it has some stuff that that works yeah and the following in the grand tradition uh established by toby hooper in the very first movie you know they made a movie that's way fun to talk about absolutely so they're at least yeah. keep, keeping that that theme yes going. and i would if if it sounds fun to you from what we've talked about i would say do go and watch it like i think i don't it's it's not like punishing like a lot of bad movies you can watch are it's not boring And in the middle of my talking just then, uh, my laptop died, and then I had a uh, Mangler 2-esque uh, cyber uh, <laughs> horror show mm-hmm. trying to get it plugged back in. Uh, I got my mic turned back on at one point, and I'm pretty sure Eric and Scott heard me say to myself angrily, fix it in a smart way. Uh, and it was just too much of my own uh, uh, internal dialogue and not being kind to myself on display there for like way too long. but. Uh, but we're back now. Well, and that's what you get for downloading files, files <laughs> off of mangler.org or whatever the fuck yeah, exactly, it was in, yes. in Mangler 2. Mm-hmm. You you I know. When you saw this, eventually, this many uh, gifts, that should have been the indication you were on the wrong site. I'm going to get turned into a weird David Lynch, Baron Harkonnen, like, uh, or Harkonnen, however you say it, like uh, at that principle at the end of um, yes. Mangler 2. Yeah, for Spoiler sure. Spoiler alert. Lance Henriksen style, yeah. Well, um, first of all, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you on air. Uh, we got an anniversary show coming up. You want to uh, you want to get in on that? Action? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? I would love to. Excellent. 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 I think that will bring your total number of appearances to half a dozen. I, wow. I was going to say it's I'm loving being part of the five five timers club on the King cast. Yeah, you. You were on one of the anniversary episodes, but mm-hmm. not the other. Is that correct? Correct. Mm. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. We'll you know definitely you have you have you back <laughs> for this year. We're in the earliest, earliest, earliest stages of putting together that fucking monstrosity <laughs> uh, this year. Scott I'm so, Hardy, the defeat in Scott's voice is already. So I'm so apparent. fucking mad. It's such a fucking nightmare i also will say after i went on my kick of reading all those stephen king short stories like we talked about on the one episode anniversary episode i've now seen the stephen king short story the reach referenced like way more frequently than mm-hmm. you would think in 2023 i feel like that's become a like go-to reference for people or we all feel like the kid from the reach <laughs> now where we're just like it's a lot longer than you ah, think dad that's, oh, that's, that's the, the jaunt, jaunt my man the jump i'm sorry not the reach jaunt the jaunt Yes. All right, the you're jorp not doing, jump, the Jackie Jorp yeah, jump. Let, let, let's take that again. You're right. not doing the, the you're, no, wait, no, no, here, no. I'll, I'll, you are leaving all that in. in. You and can cut not... this in seamlessly. The jaunt, the jaunt, <laughs> the jaunt. <laughs> you're not doing the anniversary show anymore. Um, <laughs> but uh, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, let us know what you're working on. Where where can people see you currently? All those things. Yeah, I am for, you know, provisionally, as we all are, and on this mortal coil at uh, twitter.com slash DC Pearson. I finally got my website together, which is dcpearson.com, and you can go there to see about my 
two novels I've written. I would like to think I would flatter myself that if you are the kind of person that that likes the King universe, you would like my sort of coming of age uh, kind of fantasy ish, kind of sci fi ish, kind of funny uh, first two books, which are The Boy Who Couldn't Sleep and Never Had to and Crap Kingdom. Um, one of which just recently finally went out of print in print after 10 plus years, but they're all available, you know, used or at your library or ebook, audiobook, all that stuff. And then what I would love for you to do more than anything is to sign up for my newsletter. I have one like everyone now, but I actually uh, use mine and I write new stuff for it every week pretty much and send it out. I started it with a couple of original horror short stories that I would not have written for not, not if not for my tenure on the King cast. Um, so I think you, I think you would like it and you can go, you can find that at dcpearson.com slash newsletter. Very exciting stuff. And thank you for saying as much about the show. Um, well, thank you very much for, for going on this journey with us. Uh, you know, we, we already talked about that, but this is, this has been quite the thing and I'm glad you were here for it. Likewise, it spanned a, a really crazy, uh, ultimately pretty wonderful time in my life. And I've, I've really enjoyed it. And, um, all I would ask is that you please put the millennium Falcon powering down noise in when my computer broke earlier. Ooh, <laughs> good be call. Very satisfying. Yes. Good call. Let's see. Note to self, <laughs> remember to do that and not get sued by George Lucas. That's fine. We haven't been sued by Rob Zombie yet with the, with the ad break <laughs> music yet. yet. Yeah. <laughs> He's just finishing up the Munsters, uh, international press tour. So he's yes. going to get around to it. Holy yeah. shit. Did you see that thing? No, I didn't. I haven't seen it. I heard <laughs> them talk about it on double, on double threat though. My favorite podcast, double threat. They talked about it and I thought it was, uh, sounded interesting. Sounds I interesting. I don't you. think I'll ever watch it though. It's not really up my, my, my alley. Oh, I think you should at least watch 20 minutes of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just that's the exact amount of time I watched of it. Um, that in session nine, seriously, check out session. Nine. I, will, order, I am genuinely putting session nine on my list. Excellent. Yes. All right, buddy. Well, we will uh, we will talk to you again soon. Further on down the trail, fellas. Adios. Keep on mangling. Many thanks to our good friend DC Pearson for completing his mangler journey with us. Y'all got a double dose of DC and mangler fun this week between this and our little April Fool's episode this weekend. Hope you guys like that. We had a lot of fun putting that together. Uh, we may be done with the mangler, but we're certainly not done with DC. So I expect we'll have him back on sooner than later. You'll have to forgive our shorter than usual outro this week, but Pop Pop Wampler is currently on the road, traveling to his new digs. Never fear, though, he will be back next week, unless he's besieged by hitchhiking ghosts or hillbilly cannibals on his long trek across the country. Speaking of next week, this is the part where I usually hint at what's to come, but God's honest truth is, it could be one of two episodes. We're not exactly sure right now. We're waiting on word on a last-minute, time-sensitive guest. If they come through, then they'll be up next week. What I can say, though, is we do have a great episode banked, focusing on the Dead Zone, that very well could run next week. That was our original plan until this wild card showed up. So you'll get something of uh, of worth next week. Trust me on this. But there you got a little hint at what's to come in the, uh, the main feed in the coming weeks. You'll definitely get some Dead Zone love. Uh, and speaking of Dead Zone... You can't wait for some Dead Zone talk this Friday over on our Patreon. I'll be posting the audio from the live show I just did at the Overlook Film Festival with special guest co-host Phil Nobile Jr. and special returning guest David Ferrier. We screened the Dead Zone to a crowd of mostly newbies, believe it or not, and had a rousing live show after. 
Uh, it's a lot of fun. There is a lot of Kiss from Jimmy mentions in there for our longtime listeners. And I got to say a big thanks to Phil and David for helping me out with this live show. There's another one that Pop-Pop couldn't attend because of his travel, but they helped me not feel uh, too lonely. And I, uh, I hope you all enjoyed. I think it's a really fun one to hear that one as well as a bazillion other bonus episodes. Make sure to sign up for our Patreon over at patreon.com slash the Kingcast. We make it worth your while, we swear. And that should be that. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you all next week. The Kingcast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director, and editing is done by yours truly. <laughs> <laughs>